Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves the experience of cracking them open, or you just love the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios is the perfect healthy snack when hunger strikes. I happen to love me my pistachios. Uh, I don't want to screw around with the nuts, so I love the no-shells pistachios. Anyway, there are a bunch of flavors to choose from, like honey roasted, smoky barbecue, jalapeno, lime, and more. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts, and each ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless, and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number along with your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. And I remember when I called my mom and I tell her, I'm like, you're not going to believe this, but it's true. I just got invited to go to space. I would be like, like space space? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Literally. Today is a very special show. We've done a 100 plus episodes, and I really want to start getting into folks like this, although this there aren't many folks like this. This, this young lady is one of a kind. Um, Haley Arsenault is joining us. Some of you may already know her, but for those of you who don't, she was diagnosed with bone cancer at the age of 10, eventually had to have a prosthetic in her leg. The St. Jude's Children's Hospital was instrumental in saving her life. She then devoted her life to getting a job at St. Jude's and then, through a twist of fate, which we will get into, became, at the time, the youngest woman ever to go to space. So to say that this lady has had an insane life is an understatement. And she... um is an inspiration to everybody. So as I like to say, let's get ready for liftoff with Haley Arsenault in five, four, three, two, one. Haley, how are you today? I'm good. It's good to be here. Where, where, where am I finding you today in Zoom world? Where are you actually? I live in Memphis. I moved here two years ago when I got my St. Jude job. Oh, amazing. I love St. Jude. I know you do, obviously. Um, someone told me the other day the Danny Thomas story of how he got involved. Have you ever heard this story of what of you know Danny who founded St. Jude's? Have you for you know the story, right? It's a beautiful story. And I just heard it. Literally last week out of nowhere, somebody told me this story. So this goes back to um when Marlo Thomas was born. And he was she was Danny Thomas's first child, and he couldn't pay the bill. Um, for whenever she was born. And so he prayed to St. Jude, who's the patron saint of hopeless causes, that he would show him his way in life. And if he did, then Danny Thomas would build him a shrine. And so after that, Danny Thomas found a lot of success um, as an actor, and he never forgot that promise. And so he wanted to build a hospital that helped kids with hopeless causes. And at the time, childhood cancer 
was very far from being cured and it was considered a hopeless cause. And, um, and a lot of people discouraged him from starting the hospital saying it would break his heart, but he wanted to do it. And St. Jude was founded in 1962 and it's helped so many children around the world and has helped raise the childhood cancer survival rate so much since then. It's amazing. Can you imagine starting a hospital? How would you even start a hospital? Can you imagine? No, I and he could have done an easy little shrine, like you know, made a, a statue or something, and um, yeah. to start a hospital that has just been become such an influential player on the world stage is in terms of childhood cancer. It's an honor to work there and to see what an impact we have at St. Jude. And was it originally the first one was in Los Angeles? Is that right? It was actually founded in Memphis. It was. And Danny Thomas was not from Memphis. Why Memphis? It's because um, at the time with the civil rights movement, it was, Memphis was very segregated. And Danny Thomas wanted to prove a point that this hospital would treat kids from all walks of life, from all nationalities and backgrounds. And St. Jude was actually the first fully integrated pediatric cancer hospital in the South. Wow. I had no idea. Because I visit, it's a beautiful story. Yeah, I, I visited St. Jude's a bunch in the one in L.A., but I, and I just assumed because Danny was, you know, a show business person that it was mm-hmm. that it was in was in L.A. That's unbelievable. Um, so on on your daily life working there, wa- walk me through what a, a, a regular day looks like for you. I'm a PA, a physician assistant, and I work inpatient with kids with leukemia and lymphoma. So um, I get there very early in the morning and go through all the kids' charts, their vitals, their labs, their overnight events. I go around and talk to the kids, hear from them, examine them. We do rounds with the physician, pharmacist, nursing team, dietitian, and we talk about every kid and what they need. And, um, and then I spend the rest of the day kind of making that happen, consulting, discharging, admitting. And it, this was my dream job. It's all I've ever wanted to do. And then getting to do this job, I love it more than I even knew I was going to. It is truly the greatest honor of my life getting to work with these brave kids. They're so fun, too. Uh, and, and, and why specifically those two types of cancer? This is kind of where I ended up with leukemia and lymphoma. I, um, I was treated at St. Jude when I was a child for bone cancer. And, um, and so that's really when my love for St. Jude truly started when they saved my life and they gave me hope that I didn't have before getting to St. Jude. Um, And it was 18 years later that I walked through the doors of St. Jude as an employee and, um, and I ended up on leukemia lymphoma team and it's, it's a lot of fun. You were 10 years old when, when you first started noticing something was wrong with your leg, you're 10. Is that right? I was 10. I was young. And so cancer was not on my mind. Um, I started having pain in my leg. We went to see a doctor um, who thought it was from Taekwondo because at the time I was very involved in Taekwondo and I actually got my black belt just a few days before I was diagnosed with cancer. But then I started limping and we noticed I had a lump above my knee. And it was at that point we went back to the doctor and she took an x-ray and told us straight up that it was bone cancer. And that was the scariest moment of my life. It changed everything. What did your family do? Where were you living at this point? Louisiana, a small town. So at that time, we didn't even have a radiologist in town. We had x-ray films that were usually shipped across the river on a ferry boat to be read by radiology. Yes. And so we had taken the films to my pediatrician and she read them in the office and was very astute and made the diagnosis. But, um, But when I heard that word cancer, I just kept saying I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Because for me at age 10, everyone I had known with cancer had died. Yep. And I thought cancer was a death sentence. Um, but then my we got home and my parents just Googled my type of cancer and found the website for St. Jude. My dad called and asked that they would take me. And then a few days later, I was walking in the doors of St. Jude. You know, I, I've done a lot of work um in this field in honor of my great grandma, grandma, mom, all, um, breast can Well, they were breast cancer survivors for a very, very long time, but ultimately they passed from breast cancer. And then my, my dad is a, you know, my dad's a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor, got diagnosed at 50 at 50 and he's now 82, 
and has beaten it back twice. Um, so it's all over in my family. And um, one of the things I've I've learned um, in my in my work and um, raising money and all of it is how important it is to have a team around you to support you. Because I mean. And not just, I mean, for a kid, obviously it would have been almost impossible, but even for grown people, like just, there's a stat that when you go into the doctor and the doctor gives you the news, the instructions, whatever it is, as the patient, you retain only about 20% of what he's saying because it's so overwhelming. So just on that level alone, how important it is to have somebody being your caregiver. And so many people don't have that. They they just don't, they either don't have somebody in, in their lives to do it and they're on their own. And that is brutal. You, you're you so blessed. Everybody's so blessed to have someone who really takes control to do the, the, the you know, the logistics, the thinking, the comforting, um, really an advantage to have that. Yes. And um, I come from a very supportive family. They were there every step of the way. But, um, but really from the moment we walked in the hospital, I started feeling hope from the staff. Um, because when we first walked up to the front desk, my mom tried to say my name and she burst into tears mm. and the receptionist came from around the desk and gave her a hug and said, don't worry, you're part of the family now. You're part of the St. Jude family. She said, we'll take care of her and we'll take care of you. And so having such a support system was so important in that year that I was going through treatment and now getting to be on the other side. And I know that stat that you're talking about. And so we tell the families, we're just going to keep repeating ourselves because we know it's physically impossible for you to take in all this information that we're throwing at you. Um, but just getting to be there and to support them is just, uh, it's just such an honor and such a privilege. Eventually you had to get a prosthesis, correct? Correct. They, um, they removed the part of my bone that was affected by the tumor and they replaced it with an internal prosthesis. And because they had to remove my growth plate in that surgery, this prosthesis could expand as I grew through a different um, procedure. And so I had the limb sparing surgery, and then I also had a year of chemotherapy. Wow. And then you became an astronaut. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the main, uh, the shocker. It's something <laughs> I never saw coming. But yeah. I, uh, can you imagine, can you imagine you're at the lowest point of your treatment and somebody, some magical person from the future comes in and goes, um, you're going to be an <laughs> astronaut. You know, it's actually something I've thought about a lot. Um, and people have asked me, like, would you go and tell your younger self in the midst of cancer treatment that she would one day become an astronaut? But I tell them, no, I would mm. not tell 10-year-old Haley that she would want to become an astronaut because I think that's the beauty of life is you don't know it's going to happen. And so when you're going through the the tough days, you have to hold on to hope that there's going to be better ones. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, the, okay, you got to walk me through. It's so <laughs> insane. The, your whole crazy. astronaut story, I, I don't even know where to begin because it's so nuts to me. It's nuts to me too. I still can't believe I'm an astronaut. Do you, yeah, do you ever go, wait a minute, did I? Is it a dream? Did that really happen to me? Do you ever have? I would. All the time. All the time. And sometimes I'll even like, I'll just kind of casually say something. They're like, oh yeah, that time I went to space. And then I laugh. I'm like, I can't believe I went to space. <laughs> okay. What's the very first, you're lead, leading, you know, as much of a normal life as somebody can live who's had your your history and challenges and successes, but you're living that, that life. That, let's call that the normal life. What's the first moment uh, that leads you on the path to space? A phone call. So I had been, um, yeah, leading my normal life. And I remember about a week before I got this phone call, I remember sitting there and just kind of thinking, I've peaked. Like, <laughs> life could not get better. I have my dream job and all is well. Um, and then about a week later, I get an email from the chief of staff at St. Jude. He had never reached out to me before. And he said he wanted to talk to me about a unique opportunity. And so I joined a call with them and they start telling me about a fundraiser for St. Jude. And I've, I've been doing fundraising for the hospital since I was 10. And so, um, but then it gets weird and they start telling me about a space mission fundraiser for St. Jude. And they shocked me by asking if I wanted to go and be the St. Jude ambassador on this mission, this all civilian mission, which would be raising money for St. Jude. And, uh, I actually laughed. I said, are you serious? And I followed that with yes. 
And then I was like, okay, let me check with my mom. But my answer is yes. <laughs> it's like, um, let me check with my mom. Um, okay. I mean, I would be like, so like space space? I'm going to go. And by the way, I'm not so sure I'm comfortable with all civilians. Wouldn't you want an actual astronaut you up there? Know, that was kind of one of my concerns at first. And I remember when I called my mom and and I tell her, I'm like, you're not going to believe this, but it's true. I just got invited to go to space. And she's like, well, how many NASA astronauts are going to be with you guys? And I say none. And there's silence on the phone. I'd say. Yes. <laughs> but I was like, I have to do this. And she was fully supportive. And actually, my brother and my sister-in-law both happen to be aerospace engineers, real-life oh, rocket wow. scientists. So we called them and asked if they thought it would be safe. And they said yes. And that was um, that was January of 2021. And then I spent nine months after that training becoming an astronaut and then blasted off in September of 2021. Where else can you go surfing and skiing in the same day or check out a world-class art museum and camp out under a brilliant night sky same day or hike through the redwoods and get a luxury spa treatment? There's only one answer, California. No matter where you go across this state, you will find a way to play. I, look, I love California. Um, and I have not yet surfed and skied in the same day, although I do do both. So that is on my bucket list. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin softening body wash and scents like redwood, wildland, and stone, and an extra high quality, amazing smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. All good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash Rob. That's harrys.com slash Rob for a $3 trial set. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. They still use the word blasted off. I heard they don't like to use blasted because it implies explosion. Hmm, I hadn't heard that, but I could see it. <laughs> yeah, that's why they go lift off. We have lift off. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, but I think blast off sounds kind of fun. You go to space and it falls to me to tell you not <laughs> to use blasted off. What's going on? Um, You're so current. Yeah, I'm. I'm on top of it. What? Okay, how do? You, okay, I have to go to. Let's say that I have to go to space mm. in nine months. What do I need to start doing immediately? It is so much studying. Um, and from someone who has, like, I had no background in aerospace. My background was in medicine. Um, so it was a huge learning curve. But we we really studied our spacecraft and the ins and outs of it and the orbital mechanics behind it all. We spent a lot of time studying what we would be doing in space. And then we spent time in the spacecraft simulator. This was a SpaceX mission. So we were out in California at the SpaceX facility 
but we were just practicing for hours on end what it would be like if everything was going right. And then our trainers would put us through simulations where things were going very wrong and we would have to work through that as a team. And then we did all the, the cool classic astronaut training. So we did centrifuge training, getting our bodies used to G-forces that we would experience with launch and reentry. Um, we did water survival training. We did a zero gravity flight, hypoxia training, and we climbed a mountain together as part of our crew bonding. Um, the centrifuge is the one that spins around in a circle, correct? Yes. And I did not know what a centrifuge was before this training, but it it spins you so quickly that you have increased G-forces on your body, which are gravitational forces. And basically, mm-hmm. we hit six Gs in the centrifuge, so six times the amount of normal Earth gravity. And what's the, what are the Gs at, at blast off? Mm-hmm. We hit four and a half. And um, what, is that, what does that feel like? Well, you're laying down, and it feels like four and a half people are lying on top of you. And so it can be kind of hard to keep your lungs inflated. And so part of what we were doing with that exercise was just learning how to breathe and learning how to not freak out in that situation that is very out of your control. But I actually love G-forces. And after centrifuge training, I got my nickname, the G-monster. Oh, my God. That's very good. Thank you. I'm pretty proud of it. Uh, No kidding. (laughs) G-monster. What? Um, When you say you love the G-force, is it just the adrenaline of it, just the excitement of it? I think it's the adrenaline and it's also the challenge that this is, it's very heavy um, and it's something that you've never quite experienced before, but just learning to ride it out. Do you, um, do you have a G suit or anything like that? Is there anything they can, you can wear to help it? So we did some additional G-force training in fighter jets, which Mm. a really fun part of training, but um, we hit eight Gs in the fighter jet. And as soon as we were getting, when I was in my jet ride and we were getting close to eight, I realized my G suit was not working. Oh no! And um, and so the, the point of the G suit is to, to put pressure on your legs, to keep your body from, to keep the blood from pulling down there and to keep you from passing out. Um, and so I just had to like, they teach you how to like tighten your legs and tighten all your muscles yeah. to keep your blood where it's supposed to be. So you never passed out or, or vomited or any, you must've. No, not in the vomit comet even? No, um, which was great. And then uh, in in space, it's actually a lot of people that don't get nauseous on Earth will sometimes get nauseous in space. But luckily, I didn't get nauseous in space either. Wow. The vomit comet is the is the um, the ship that, that goes up, up and down and up and down and creates zero gravity. Um, um, I had Ron Howard on the show um, who directed Apollo 13 and... Bill Paxton was is, is a great was a great friend of mine, and he was in the movie, and he talks about they they shot in the vomit comet. They That's actually so cool. shot some of. Isn't that insane? That's insane, and I imagine how difficult that was because it's uh, when you're first exposed to zero gravity, and our first taste of zero gravity was in that vomit comet. Um, you realize like how out of control all of your movements are, and you go to you're like floating towards a wall, and you go to push off of it. And then it like slams you in the other direction because just you have to learn that it only takes very fine movements to to move around. Otherwise, you're just all over the place. Yeah, that. So I know this sounds like an idiot, a duh question, but it's it's so goes against everything we know because very like you say, we've not ever, very few people have experienced zero gravity. But literally, the minute you start moving, mm-hmm. you will not stop moving, right? Mm-hmm. I would notice this with I would do. I love zero gravity. And so I would do a lot of spins in space, like over and over. I would just spin. And I wouldn't stop until I ran into something, which was very cool. So you go into a spin. You're, you, you, in theory, are going to, you literally will spin until something stops it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And usually it was running into my crew member or the wall. But yes. You would have been a hell of a roommate <laughs> up there. Like, oh, geez, yeah. here she goes again, <laughs> spinning around. Um one of the things I love about um, the SpaceX capsules, they they named the chairs, right? For our mission, yes. So our mission was Inspiration Four, and um, and all of us represented a pillar of inspiration. But um, my crew members were generosity, prosperity. Our our commander was leadership, and I was represented, or I was selected to represent hope. I mean, come on. <sighs> This is some West Wing shit we're talking about right here. This is, this is like, this is 
amazing stuff. So do you have your uniform still? You must. I mean, was it was that just sick when you you're like, here's your here's your flight suit or whatever they call it? Yes. So and our spacesuit took about the whole nine months to make. Um, and I remember getting fitted for it. Then they measured 220 different parts of my body. And uh, like this space. I didn't know. Was, wait, I didn't know anybody had 220 parts of their body. I, I didn't know either. I remember when they told me that being like, what are they going to measure? Um, but that spacesuit was very tailored to me. Um, but actually, I'm donating it to St. Jude. Um, because I really want the kids to be able to see it yeah. every day and envision themselves yeah. in a spacesuit or whatever big dreams they have. Oh, my God. Totally. 100%. What about helmet or whatever you're putting on your head? Did you have one of those things or not? Oh, yes. Did you not have, it was yes. it was huge. The whole thing weighed about 25 pounds. And so all of that's going to go to St. Jude. But, uh, but I was able to bring a lot of stuff to space um, that I now have and will keep forever. And um, and so all that like was able to go to space and I, and I have, and it's fun to look back at it and think like that went to space with me. What did you bring into space? Um, I brought some jewelry. Some of it was, um, some that like that family members had given to me that was special to me. And some were from, for my friends and family, for them to have a little piece of space. Like my mom and I have matching stars from space on a necklace. Um, and then I brought some pictures, um, of, of friends and, um, and family. And I brought like some little, a, a plush astronaut for my future kid and, um, and just different <laughs> things that have kind of impacted me through the years. What were some of the things that you saw in space you were, that blew your mind? Well, the, the first time I saw the earth, it was very shocking. Um, and on our spacecraft, we were lucky that we, ju- we flew this giant window. It was the largest window that had ever been flown in space and we could put our whole bodies in it and, um, and see the whole 360 degree curve of the earth and mm. like all at once we could see the whole wait a minute so the earth is round i'm just checking it's yes apparently yeah this is kind of controversial for me to say but i can assure you i saw it with my two eyes it's round one of the things i just makes me laugh about the internet and twitter and tiktok and all of this is like the flat earth thing is actually a thing again oh i know mm-hmm. yeah um because i've been posting videos and uh <laughs> And yeah, they um, you're in a green screen. You're in a me. studio. Mm-hmm. CGI. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you saw the whole curvature of the Earth. That was, was beautiful. Yeah. So I wasn't expecting to see the whole Earth at once. I thought we might be able to like see segments of it. And then the first time I saw the Earth from that cupola, and I could see the whole Earth at once with the blackness of space around it, like, surrounded by stars. It was so shocking and. I actually was like in the middle of doing an activity um, as part of like the procedure that was like my task when we were um, opening that cupola. And I look up and I'm just so mesmerized that I'm like paralyzed. I'm just suspended in the air staring at our planet. And it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And it's kind of hard to describe, but I think I was so shocked by seeing it from space because it, it felt so 3D. And all my life, I've, I'd seen pictures and videos of the earth, but just seeing it from that vantage point, it was so 3D and real and alive. And um, and so the, I, I, we were busy in space, but all the time that I could look at the earth, that's what I did. And I loved whenever it was daylight over the earth. And we were moving quickly. So we were, would spend like 45 minutes in daylight and then 45 minutes in nighttime. We went around the earth about every 90 minutes. Um, for three days and the the day passes were beautiful because you could really see the land masses and um, I loved the South Pacific Islands they were so gorgeous just surrounded by turquoise water um, and it was I got to see a wildfire in Australia and the smoke was billowing towards us which I just found really interesting mm-hmm. and I could see mountain ranges and like Chile Argentina and it just I've always been a lover of exploration and international travel, and it just gave me so many more places that I wanted to go see on our planet. But the night passes were also exceptionally beautiful and getting to see city lights. And we saw lightning from above, um, which was it it was just it was spectacular. I I could stare at the earth all day, every day and never get sick of it. Can you see stars like you see them? 
on Earth in, in, in space? Is it that insane? It actually does look very similar to how we see them on Earth. Um, whenever I see a photo from the International Space Station or any or the video feed or any of that stuff, mm-hmm. stuff in the blackness of space, I never see the stars. Mm-hmm. But you see them when you're up there, right? Sometimes. If we dimmed all of our the lights in our spacecraft. And um, I think that's why a lot of times they're not visible in pictures and videos from the International Space Station because there's so much light on in the station. But also mm-hmm. the Earth light and all the glow from the Earth, like we could never see them on a day pass. But we could usually always see the moon, which um, it was so fun because as we were orbiting, the moon would just show up in, in different places from our perspective. And it was just beautiful. Hey, listeners. Ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The weather is getting warmer. It's time to ditch the jackets and sweaters for shorts and tees. But there's no need to waste money on clothes that only last one season with Quince. Now you can get high quality pieces that never go out of style. You'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts for $30, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering with the top factories, Quince cuts out the middleman and passes the savings directly on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. My producer recently made an order for Quince, and here's what he had to say. I'm really excited to revamp my closet with Quince. I cannot wait for my items to arrive from Quince. You know, I'm a sweater guy. I was looking at that burgundy cashmere crew neck. I love the blue chore jacket. Maybe I'll throw some joggers in there. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to Quince.com slash Rob for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Rob to get free shipping and 360 day returns. Quince.com slash Rob. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high performance EVs. They're certainly out here there. But when I when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state of the art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to sixty in three point four seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires. Who else was on the flight with you? So I had a very special crew. And the guy who served as our commander is um, this guy, Jared Isaacman. He um, he bought the mission and it was his idea to use this first all civilian mission, this like big first as a fundraiser for St. Jude. And he wanted good to come out of it. And so the rest of us were kind of random. Like I was chosen by him in St. Jude to represent hope. Um, and then also we had a seat with uh, my that my crew member, Chris Sombrowski, eventually filled. But 
Um, that was a fundraiser for St. Jude. So basically a lottery. People donated to St. Jude and could win a seat to space. And then my other crew member, Cyan Proctor, she won her seat through, it was kind of a social media contest where she showcased her business idea. Um, but so all of us, like, we didn't know Jared ahead of time, um, but we came together, we trained together, we got incredibly close, and we had a wonderful time in space together. And we're still very close. We went to space. I just love it. These are my friends from space. <laughs> These are my it, space isn't friends. Isn't it crazy? I know. I need to talk to you about your memoir. Ah, yes. I mean, okay, the title is great. Hit us with the title. I love <laughs> Thank the title. You. Wild Ride, a memoir of IV drips and rocket ships. I mean, <laughs> who's not going to buy and read that? I know I would. Well, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm proud of it. It came out um, in September, and it, w- it came out about a year after we went to space. And as soon as I got back from space, I just wrote about my experience. And I'm so glad I did because it was so fresh in my mind. And even it's been a year later, I go back and read it, and I think there are parts of it where I kind of think like, oh, I didn't. I almost like forgot that that happened. Um, and so it's just a very fresh account and it's my life story. I go through overcoming childhood cancer and then um, eventually getting my dream job, which wasn't the easiest experience I really had to work at. And then and then getting this incredible opportunity to go to space and then training to be an astronaut from a regular person's perspective and going to space again as a regular person and kind of how the whole experience has impacted me. So you've had these amazing chapters in your life, you're super young uh, still. Do you, can you foresee, I mean, we already, you already said your favorite thing about life is that you don't know what's next, mm. but, and you're so clearly content and happy. And do you ever think about if you were to have a different or additional chapter, what you would like it to be, or are you just like good to go as you are? I think there's a lot more to come. And I don't know what it's going to be, which I find exciting. Um, but I think that, that overcoming childhood cancer and, and surviving this disease, it gave me so much love for life and so much zest and just I'm so happy to be here. And so that comes with embracing the opportunities that life gives me. And um, and so I think there there will be more opportunities in life. And and I just I know that I'm gonna go with um go with them as they come and so i think there in a way there will be more chapters maybe not more books but um but definitely there's a lot more life to live you're such a good spokesperson i foresee staying at my dream job i i love my job um and i want to continue exploring our planet i definitely added some new places to my bucket list being in space and um and going to space was incredible but there's a lot to see and learn here on earth. I just had to, when they count down, I just, I'm so, I, I know we keep talking about it, but it's so nuts. I mean, I'm, I'm right of that generation where I, when I grew up, space was everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I watched Neil Armstrong walk on the moon. My mom That's woke me so up. In cool. fact, I, I, I wrote about it in my book, but the very, the very first chapter of my book is, is my mom waking me up to watch Neil Armstrong. It's life changing. Is life changing, and I was barely can remember. I think I was four years old, wow. but I remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I met Neil Armstrong. He was from wow. Wapakoneta, Ohio, which is near where my grandparents lived. Um, so, in in all of the moon launches, it was a part of everyday life, and it was such a big part of our culture. And then it all kind of went away. Mm-hmm. And then we had the space shuttles, which were great, but they're not really the same. So, I I. I it's kind of baked into my interest in DNA in that way. What do they, can you hear the countdown when, when they, yes. when they. And do. it is, That's it so... is very exciting. And if I can say what, what I actually said when they're counting down from 10. Yes. I you say, can say anything on this show. I say, let's fucking do this. Yeah. Uh, we were just so hyped. And I knew as they were counting down that in nine minutes, I was going to be in space and everything I had trained for, everything I had prepared for, I was just so ready I like didn't even want to wait nine minutes. I was just so ready to be there, but I loved launch. And as soon as, uh, as we lift off and it's like this huge jolt and it's all these G forces come on pretty quickly. 
the ride was so smooth, but it was so fun. I had the biggest smile on my face. The internet even made a meme about it because I was just like having the greatest time of my life on launch. And I, I remember we're on, I'm on audio with my crew and I say, I cannot believe we're launching this space right now. It was just so unbelievable. Um, but it was a fun ride. Any countdown gets me hyped. Anytime they hit you with going in live television, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I was literally in a wave pool the other day. Kelly Slater has this wave pool. That sounds fun. It, it was, it's amazing, by the way. And it's, it's, the, it's the perfect wave for a surfer. What I wasn't prepared for is they count you down because they're manufacturing the wave. So they hit you with wave in 10, 9, 8, 7. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like anytime they hit you with that, I don't care what you're doing. You're like, yes. I, it's like all the good butterflies. Um, actually, there was a recent launch to space um, on a SpaceX mission and I was watching it. And I think I felt more butterflies watching that crew launch than whenever I did um, because I don't know. I just, it was, I was so excited, so hyped for my launch. Um, and just, yeah, I was ready to be there. What do you think the future of space flight is going to be? More things like yours where more and more people are going to get the opportunity, obviously. Like, what do you, what do you, based on your experience, what, or, or what would you like to see it be? I think there's going to be a huge market for commercial space missions. And we actually did a lot of research in orbit because we all felt very much that we were incredibly fortunate to be there and we needed to contribute to science. Like it was our duty. And, um, and so we, we spend the three days in orbit doing research the majority of the time. And as we've seen, there haven't been more commercial crews that have come after us, but they have been very open to research. And um, I think a lot of our aerospace research is going to be carried by the commercial industry. Um, and then, you know, from from a NASA standpoint, they will be going back to the moon, hopefully in a few years. And um, the first woman is going to walk on the moon, which is very exciting. Um, and then there's going to be missions to Mars to follow that. I think we're going to see in our lifetime. Um, incredibly exciting. But I do think I think commercial missions are going to have a huge impact on what we know about the human body in space because of all the research that we're going to do. Going to Mars at this point, though. How how many years in flight to go to Mars is it? I forget. I knew, I knew at one point. Is it two years? I, I was going to say, I think it's two years, which is pretty two wild. Two years in a tube. I know that, um, I know that in, in the big island of, Ho- I think it was in the big island of, Ho- of Hawaii, they just finished um, a test where they literally put people in that space for mm. two years. Wow. That's coming Just to see... Just to see, you know, like, are you going to go berserk, mm-hmm. cooped up for two years? Um, I'm pretty sure they did that. Maybe I'm mis- misremembering, but I don't think so. Um, or would they knock you out, like that movie Passengers, where you're just like, I, mean, <laughs> I, I could sleep for two. I might be the perfect astronaut because anybody who knows me knows I, I, could, I could sleep for two years. I could. I would, I'd like to. It sounds like you would be the perfect astronaut. I mean, you just give me, and I don't even need the drugs to do it. I'm like just down. <laughs> I love sleeping. So it would be, I'd be like, and I'm also one of those people that when I wake up, they'd be like, dude, we're on fucking Mars. It's here. I'm like, mm, just five more minutes. <laughs> I can respect that. Yes. Um, yeah. And there's, there's been a lot of debate or like a lot of people talking recently, like, oh, would you go to Mars? Would you go to Mars? Um, for me, I love Earth, but like, yeah, maybe we'll see you on Mars. I mean... You kind of almost, I mean, to me, it's like like the way you felt when you were asked, you, you kind of got to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to be the, I would never be the one to say no to, to, to that kind of amazing, life-changing, dangerous, interesting thing, right? All the above. Um, but I will say there's, there's two types of people. And then there's the people like us that are like, you can't say no to this. This is amazing. And then there's also the people, and a lot of them would tell me, like, you're crazy. I cannot believe you're going to space. Um, and, you know, some people, you know, want to stay on Earth. Yeah, I have friends like that. I have, I absolutely, I think my wife is like that. I mean, I know a lot of people are like, I, are you kidding? But those are also, for me, though, the kind of people that are like, I'm going to go on a deep dive today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive this wall off of the coast of whatever. And they're like, you do that for fun? <laughs> I'm like, Yeah. That does sound very cool. 
it's 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 adventure. You know, mm-hmm. it's people who really, really, truly have adventure in their being, and and other people who are just like perfectly happy without it. Yeah, and sometimes I think back, like if I didn't have cancer, would I be this adventurous? Mm. I don't think so. I think like everyone has um, has that drive and and what exactly like spurred that. But for me, I think like having cancer really, really made me want to just live my life. Let's finish this with the amount of talking a little bit about the amount of hope that's out there for people with cancer, because that's the thing that I um, was always struck with. Um, like, like you said, St. Jude is the hopeless causes. Mm-hmm. Childhood cancer was a hopeless cause. My, my family dealt with breast cancer and my, I remember when my grandmother had it in the seventies, it was not what it is today. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, if you had it, you were in trouble. And, you know, there are a lot of breast cancers that are, you know, 80%, you know, survival rates and e- even better. Um, so I, I would love you to share with, with, with folks who may have people in their lives who, who are dealing with it, the amount of, um, great stuff that is here and that is right around the corner. I, I truly believe that. And kind of what helps, um, like you said, like how far we've come, like that helps me feel a lot of hope about cancer. Um, but like, for example, I work with leukemia and for the most common type of leukemia, when the hospital opened, the survival rate was 4%, four out of hundred. And mm. now it's 94%. Um, wait, wait, wait. Let's take a minute to digest that. I know we all heard it the first time, but say it again because it's amazing. In 1962, 60 years ago, the survival rate for the most common type of childhood leukemia was 4%. And today that that survival rate is 94%. That's amazing. We've seen it come a long way. Um, we have a ways to go, um, especially for other types of cancer. But um, But one thing that really just helps me on my, on my tough days at work is, um, is just thinking that every single day we're getting closer to a cure. And, um, and, you know, so many of us here in the U S are so fortunate to have gotten that, the, the treatment that we do in the U S. Um, I think one future direction for cancer research and treatment is going to be on the global stage. Um, because in the U S overall, children with cancer, the survival rate is 80%. Um, but in low and middle income countries, that survival rate is still 20%. And so I think that's going to be a, a huge future direction of, of where we need to, um, to go and, and to work. Um, but yeah, just a message to all those who are touched by cancer. And it's, it's most people have some kind of cancer relation um, or someone they love so much who is going through treatment, but just the importance of holding on to that hope. Um, and I, I like to tell my friends and my patients going through cancer treatment, like, you know, it's, it's so easy to just to focus on the light at the end of the tunnel and, and how many more treatments you have to just be done, but try to enjoy where you are. And, um, and for me, I, I really found that when I was 10, I would find these like little jobs at the hospital, or I would put on dance shows with my friend and, those help me feel like a normal kid and they help me look forward to going to the hospital. And I realized I was a child going through that. And, um, and so other people might have a different perspective, but any way that you can just enjoy the day that you're in and, and look around and be happy where you are, um, instead of only focusing on the light at the end of the tunnel, I think that's really important and a really important part of hope as well. Haley, this was so awesome. Thank you for for visiting our show. Thank you. I really enjoyed being here. I'm going to go look you up on YouTube and I want to see if I get your, your, your launch. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. It has to be. Well, I'm, I'm in a happy bubble now. I need to just get her information so I can just every morning have 30 seconds of her and my day will be great no matter what. I mean, you guys couldn't see her. I had her on Zoom. So she, she's just like radiates, um, like you just look at her and you're like, yeah, I feel good today. Uh, but you got to listen to her and that was pretty damn great. All right. Just one more thing before we end today's episode, let's check the lowdown line. Hello. You've reached literally in our lowdown line where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 
323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hello, Mr. Lowe, uh, Thomas in uh, Valdosta, Georgia. Um, I was turned on to a movie that you recommended called Celeste and Jesse Forever. Um, great movie. Uh, watched it. Loved the cast and, and everybody in it. So my question is, what are some other movies you can recommend to us that maybe we, for some reason, have not heard of or uh, just kind of fell through the cracks over the years? Uh, I love those kind of movies and those actors that were in it. So thanks for your movie recommendations. Wow, Thomas, what a great question. Love that. Okay, so here here are some movies that I love. Some of them are super, super famous. And if you love movies, you've probably seen some of them, and then some of them aren't, um, in no particular order. Network, obviously Goodfellas. Um, and then on the obscure one, I got a really... I'm warning you, it's gnarly. If, if you are queasy and don't like violence, this movie is not for you. But if you can take it, it's a Kurt Russell movie and he's spectacular in it. It's called Bone Tomahawk, one of the great titles. Um, and then the other one, uh, Wind River, um, is a great movie. It's the uh, by the creator of Yellowstone. Um, it stars Jeremy Renner. That's one of my favorites. It kind of got overlooked a few years ago. That's amazing. There's an old Albert Brooks comedy I love called Modern Romance, which is super good, uh, made, I think, in the early 80s. And uh, I could go on and on, but I love this. I hope I should do this more often. I should do my favorite movies. You've, I'm going to create a segment in, in literally to do this. Thanks for listening. Ah, we can all go about our days feeling great now. Thank you, Haley. You were amazing. And thank you um, out there, wherever you are, for listening. And we'll be back next week. Um, tell a friend about our show, send them a link to this show, the episode you just listened to, or, or maybe one of your favorites, um, and spread the word. I'm getting a lot of great feedback. People are stopping me on the street, really liking it. So, um, I would love to, to, to grow it and help, help me grow it. If you're in the literally family, let's grow this damn thing. Uh, thank you. I'll see you next week. It's Rob Lowe signing off. You've been listening to literally with Rob Lowe produced by me, Rob Schulte with help from associate producer Sarah Bagar. Our research is done by Alyssa Grawl. The podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Adam Sachs, Jeff Ross, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. All of the music on this podcast was composed by Devin Bryant. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Literally with Rob Lowe. has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.